Do you think faith is important? Of course you do. You're here this morning, right? You're here this morning to worship. Uh, we are people of faith. Uh, that's, what, that's what it means to become part of the church. That's what it means to pursue, to pursue God. Uh, the Apostle Paul says we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, we, we look to Hebrews 11 and that list, uh, we sometimes refer to it as the hall of faith. These people who had great faith, and we say, yeah, that's, that's what I would aspire to. But the Christian life is a, a life that is built on faith, and God both regards it highly and trains it intentionally. Jesus wants to grow your faith. He, he wants you to become a person of great faith. The fact of the matter is, wherever you are in your spiritual journey this morning, whether you're kicking the tires asking fundamental questions, or you've been walking with Jesus for decades, God wants to continue to grow you and grow the, the strength and the tenacity of your faith. He's not done with you. And so this morning, he's inviting each of us to continue to change, to continue to grow, to continue to mature in Christ. I, I'm gonna, we're going to read a story together out of the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm going to invite you to find yourself in this great faith story this morning. Some of you might look at that story and say, do you know what? I, I'm, I'm probably, if I'm being honest, I'm really the no-faith person in this account, and that's okay. I'm really glad that you're here if you say that that's kind of where you're honestly at, but God is not willing to leave you in that place. Jesus would call you uh, to, to move from there, to change, to grow, and to begin to cultivate faith. Some of you, as we've been making our journey through the Gospel of Matthew, you've told, told me that, actually, I think I'm a little faith. Like, I've made, I've made some progress. There's been some ground gained, but I've got so far yet to go. And... And, and I want you to receive encouragement this morning that continue taking those baby steps, continue to, to learn. Don't despair uh, when you find that there are weeds and thorns that have distracted you. Rather, lean in to Jesus. God's not done with you. Persist with him. You will become a person of great faith. Maybe some of you this morning, you, you at least in seasons of your life, have heard God affirm to you, that was great faith. That was great faith. And that's fantastic. Receive that encouragement. Don't allow, don't be tempted into pride and become spiritually proud. Know that the next challenge, the next obstacle is once again going to invite you to respond to it with great faith because God's not done with you yet either. Jesus wants to grow you to the place where you would be a person of great faith. But, but how are we going to get there? This morning I want to introduce you to a woman whom Jesus commended for her great faith. Now the fact of the matter is that she is not the, not the kind of person that you would have expected this from at all. In fact, this account is loaded with, with scandal and with surprise and with offense. Um, we're going to have some fun together this morning. Scandal, surprise, offense, right on. Um, Take your Bibles, if you will, if you have them. It will be on the screen behind me. Uh, we're going to Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21. <clears throat> and let me invite you to stand with me as, we, as I'll read for you. Uh, not a lot of verses here, but we're in Matthew chapter 15. I'm in the New International Version, if you're looking it up digitally. 
Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is the word of the Lord. May you help us understand it as uh, we study it here together. You may be seated. I'm just going to run over to my bag because I forgot to get out my uh, laser pointer. And that's going to be helpful to me here in a couple of minutes, I think. This is a kind of quite an amazing story. Um, th- this woman is the last person that we should expect to be one who would be commended by Jesus for having great faith. And yet that's exactly what Jesus, what Jesus says. Um, the disciples were standing around dumbfounded, like trying to figure out what to make of all this. Um, they did not see this coming at all. And, and, and some of you might be wondering, well, what is that? So, so track with me here, if you will. Um, we're going to see how this woman came to be one who would be commended as having great faith. Um, the, the text kind of invites us then to draw some parallels to the journey that you and I would find ourselves on. But in order to kind of see how this happens, we've got to, we've got to track with what's really going on in the story. And, and, and Matthew scandalizes us. Like, if we really understand what's going on here, Matthew is inviting a scandalous way of thinking. And then we're going to see, we're going to be offended by Jesus. You can't read this passage as modern uh, Western readers and not say, what the heck? Like, and, and then we'll see how it is that we are then rescued by grace. Uh, that's the outline. It's in your sermon uh, notes. Pull them out, make some notes as we go along. Um, we, we, get, we start at verse 21, and it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And Scott, if you'd throw that map up for me here, that, I'd appreciate that. Jesus had been all over the place. And so here's the Sea of Galilee here. He'd been across the sea and back and up the mountain and, and back down to the river. Um, The passage that we just read was a passage which talked about this confrontation that Jesus had with the Pharisees. He, he, he called them hypocrites. We talked about that last Sunday. And now Matthew says that Jesus withdrew. And, and so he's taken a few days of retreat. Uh, so he'd been across the lake. So just follow with me. Matthew chapter 14. He'd been across the lake. Uh, he was looking for some retreat there. Um, his buddy, his nephew, his, uh, his cousin, sorry, John the Baptist had been executed. Looking for some retreat, went across the lake. All the people followed him. Big crowd, healed a whole bunch of people, taught a bunch of people, fed 5,000 people through his disciples. Um, not quite the retreat he was looking for. Um, back across the lake, uh, back across the lake from Bethesda, uh, 
met his disciples. They were caught out in the middle of the lake. And Jesus walks on the water, and they land at Gennesaret. A whole bunch more people uh, healed, taught there. Um, and and it's, it's, it's there or it's shortly after that, here or at Capernaum, that we have, we have this confrontation with the Pharisees. They've come from Jerusalem. They're challenging Jesus. Um, this whole washing their hands thing that, that took place there. We'll talk about that again in just a minute. Uh, th- th- these, these hypocritical leaders... And it's from this, following that confrontation, then that Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This is a long journey. I looked it up on Google Maps. If you just go to the border of Israel, roughly about there where, uh, where um, Lebanon begins, um, about a 20-hour walk. Um, so so they, they'd, they'd gone up here. They're going away for a few days of retreat. We don't know exactly how far up along the, the, the Mediterranean coast here they went. Um, this is a strange passage. This is a very strange place for Jesus to go. Um, this is, is, is probably the only time Jesus ever left Israel. Uh, all the rest of his ministry was within the, the borders of Israel proper. Uh, and then Matthew and Mark tell us that he then came back down after that to the Sea of Galilee. Matthew says he walked along the Sea of Galilee. Um, Mark clarifies that he comes around and it goes down to the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Decapolis. There's a group of 10 cities south, or southeast, southeast of the Sea of Galilee that are predominantly Gentile cities. And, and so this is where you get the feeding of the 4,000. It's going to come up in the next passage of Scripture if you kept reading in, in Matthew chapter 15. So this is the journey. This is this context. This is the setting for what's taking place. And sure enough, as Jesus goes out to these outer lying regions, he runs into what, what by any Jewish assessment of the day would be, he runs into unsavory people. If we were Matthew's first audience, reading the gospel for the first time in the first century, probably a group of Jewish followers of Jesus who are in a local synagogue, maybe in the Jewish temple, reading this gospel, Matthew's now prepared, roughly 60 AD. We, we, if we were a group of Jewish seekers, trying to figure out who was this Jesus again, Am I prepared to follow him? Or, or we were Jewish followers, because that's predominantly who Matthew seems to be writing for. This next line would utterly scandalize us. It says, A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. And we'd say, hang on a minute here. A Canaanite woman? What's she doing in this story? Like, that's not okay. Do you remember who the Canaanites were? A couple of weeks from now, the, uh, the elementary kids are going to be in with us. July, August, uh, grades one through six are going to be with us. They're going to have an activity. But if they were here and I asked the question, I'm sure they'd give me the right answer. Who were the Canaanite people? Or who were the Canaanites? Okay, the Canaanites were, were a group of people that lived in the land of Canaan uh, that were evil. They were wicked. Their, their behavior was so vile that God determined they must be judged. And so he brought the children of Israel, this is almost 2,000 years before, 1,400 years before, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt where they had been, uh, had been enslaved, across the wilderness led by Moses, a uh, journey of 10 days took 40 years, um, and, and then Moses died and Joshua and Caleb led them into the land. And they led them into the land with God's instruction that they were to annihilate the people who were there. That God was bringing judgment on them. He'd given them three, four hundred years uh, uh, to, to, to repent, to change. Some did. Some did. We, we know, for instance, that um, Rahab the prostitute in 
Jericho repented. She took care of the, the, the spies that had come into the land, uh, harbored them, said, remember me. Um, seems to be not the only one who was spared because they, they heard the reputation of God. They knew what was going on, and they responded. Others escaped up into the northern region, Tyre, Sidon, up into modern-day Lebanon. Perhaps this is who this woman is. We don't have a lot of detail going on here. But, but, but what's a Canaanite doing in the middle of a story of Israel's Messiah having come to rescue, to rescue those who are lost? Mark in his gospel recounts this very same instance, and he refers to this woman as a woman from the region of Sidon. <laughs> He's avoiding the scandal. Matthew's punching us in the face with it. Okay, Matthew wants his Jewish readers to feel the full weight of the scandal of this, get the full, the maximum impact that this woman is a Canaanite. And this woman comes on behalf of her demon-possessed daughter. And you know what, if we, were, if we were sitting in that Jewish synagogue, we were listening to the story, we'd say, well, of course. You know, what more would she expect? The, the, the Syrophoenicians had all kinds of horrible practices in their worship uh, that were occultic and satanic, really, in their origins. So what do you expect? Yes, of course, your children are exposed to, to these kinds of influences that are devastating their lives. If we were real students of that era of history, we'd say, what's she doing coming to Jesus? There was a temple to the god Eshman, just three miles northeast of Sidon. Maybe she'd been there before. Uh, but, but that's where her people go. That's where she would belong. She doesn't belong in this story. But she's heard about Jesus, and now she's come, she's come to him. But we still say, well, but she doesn't belong in this story. Why is she here? And to add insult to injury, this story gets more outrageous even yet because Jesus seems to be downright mean. Like, it's almost impossible not to read this and say, like, did he just wake up on the wrong side of the bed? You know, did the 20-mile walk just exhaust him and so he's not as patient as we expect Jesus to be? He says in verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Apparently they were being grouchy too. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, which seems to indicate Jesus is, is agreeing with them. Yes, she is being a bother. I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, now, now we can't not kind of feel a desire to take offense at this and say, like, We've been walking with Jesus for weeks, months now, as we've been working our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and this just does not sound like Jesus as we have been hearing him, as he has been ministering in Israel. And we've never, we've never seen this kind of indifference, right? When he normally sees the crowds, he has compassion on them, and he teaches them, or he heals them. And, we, and then, then we keep reading, and this gets worse. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. You say, what? Like, did, did we hear him correctly? Did he just refer to this woman as a dog? Now, if, if you're willing to give Jesus the benefit of the doubt, right? We've been getting to know him. We've been reading his teaching. We've been seeing what he's been doing. So, so let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and, and trust that, that, that this sounds out of character somehow with what we have been 
coming to experience of Jesus. So let's not just write them off as being racist or or being prejudiced against women. And, And let's just lean in a little more closely to see, well, what's going on here? When you're trying to understand what's going on in a passage of Scripture, context is critical. What is going on around this story? What's the context in which this gospel writer, Matthew, has placed this story here? Why has he put it here? Well, last Sunday, we looked at that previous passage. We read about these religious leaders coming from Jerusalem, and they, were, they came looking to, to sort of assess Jesus, and the accusation that they brought against Jesus' disciples was that they didn't wash their hands before dinner. Now, no, as we discussed last Sunday, this was not about sanitation. Um, this was about spiritual cleanliness. The religious leaders thought that they were spiritually clean. That is to say... They believed that they were in right relationship with God because they followed the right rules. That somehow the rules they kept were what made them right with God. And of course, Jesus points out that that's a huge problem for them because they're not even keeping a fundamental commandment that's part of the Big Ten. They they were violating the fifth commandment, and I'm sure that was just one example that Jesus pulled out to, to, to say, you're not honoring your father and mother. Part of the Big Ten, Fifth Commandment. Uh, so, so how is it that, that you're relying upon your good deeds, your good behavior to make you right with God? That's not adequate. You want the rest of that? You'll have to go and listen to last week's sermon. Okay, it's online. They thought they were clean, but they were not. And now this Sunday, we come to this next passage in Matthew's Gospel, and he introduces us to this Gentile woman. The Gentiles were not clean. Like the Jewish people knew this. They, they did not follow God. They, they did not pay any attention to the Ten Commandments at all, to the Mosaic law, to the sacrificial system in the Jewish temple. Spiritually, they were not right with God. How could they be? But this woman comes to Jesus. This Gentile has come to Jesus. This Canaanite has come to Jesus. Now, let me just do a a short aside. During his incarnation, was Jesus able to be everywhere all the time? No. So so when God the Son took on flesh and became incarnate among us, he, he set aside most of his divine attributes in order to become mortal. So then the next question is, well, then how is the triune God going to bring salvation to all of humanity if Jesus could only ever be in one place at one time. If you're a student of Scripture, you know he's going to do it through the nation of Israel. God's rescuer was planned to come through the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. His 12 sons became the the, the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. And, And then God spoke the Mosaic law through Moses And eventually they're in the land and and King David was promised to be the the kingly line through which the rescuer, the Messiah, would come. And now he has come, mortal flesh, walking with all the limitations that come from humanity. And, And of course, he healed a lot of people. And he taught a lot of people. But no, by by like nowhere near all the people. Certainly not even all the people in Israel. 
right? Like he, he, he didn't even get a chance to teach all of the people who were in Israel. He had, had no radio networks, had no television broadcast crusades, right? Jesus did not write or, or, or record any viral podcasts or vodcasts or any other kind of casts. He, he was in one place at one time, and many people were touched, but certainly not all, and certainly not those who were outside of Israel. And we come to this woman, and she's, she's not a lost sheep of Israel. She's a Gentile dog. She's a Canaanite. This woman was not on the agenda. Or was she? Okay, so, so why did the disciples find this woman to be so annoying? Because she was hounding them, right? She was hounding, oh, come on. At least a groan, Gentile dog hounding them. I'm sorry. We've got to talk about this Gentile dog thing, right? Because it jumps off the page at us, and we're like, what? What is Jesus talking about here? Is this just rampant racism? Is that really what we see showing up in the pages of Scripture? And honestly, for some, for some in that era, that's exactly what it was. That's what it was. it was. It was racism. It was we are the chosen people. The prophets criticized the, 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 the Israelites for taking such a posture. God was, was through them going to bring salvation to the entire world. That was what it was about. And for some, that was just racism. You're not one of us. You know, sucks to be you. Um, see you later. That's not what's going on here for Jesus, though. We've got to back up again and kind of look at context. So not just the context of a couple of chapters of Matthew. We've got to back up to the big picture of Matthew. Matthew, since the beginning of his gospel, has been, has been communicating that God's plan is bigger than just Israel. The Jewish Messiah would come through the line of David. Matthew's gospel opens with a, a genealogy. Who beget who, like it's really boring to read, um, but it's really important. Um, th that he would come through the line of David, that he would be born in the town of David, Bethlehem. Okay, Christmas story, you know this. Matthew doesn't even make mention of the Jewish shepherds on the hillside. Luke tells us about them. Matthew focuses on the, the magi, the Persian magi, who come from the east. These foreigners show up in worship of the Jewish Messiah, the Jewish king. So right from the beginning, he's setting us up to recognize that God's plan is bigger than the nation of Israel, bigger than the Jewish people. Another example, Matthew chapter 8, we encounter a Roman centurion who, who comes on behalf of his servant who was extremely ill. He asked Jesus if, if Jesus would heal his servant, and, and, and Jesus said, I'll go with you. He'd go with this God-fearing foreigner to his home, uh, and, and this this Roman centurion says, no, no, that's not necessary. All you need to do is say the word, and it will be done. Because I understand how authority works. You've got it. And as a soldier, I understand it. All you need to do is say the word, and it will be done. And Jesus says, I haven't seen such great faith as this in all of Israel. Another foreigner, another person who doesn't belong in the story, but Matthew has been, been threading this through the entire narrative that this is about more than the nation of Israel. This is about more than the Jewish people. This is about Gentiles becoming equal members with, in, in, in this new people of God thing. The Jews alongside Gentiles together in the church through Jesus. 
This is not an invention of the Apostle Paul or the early church uh, in the the decades that followed Jesus' uh, death, burial, ascension, resurrection, ascension. This was something that Jesus had, had been preparing for, had been anticipating, and it's threaded right through the gospel. Jesus himself was preparing the way for a worldwide mission. And so, so here's what we need to, to acknowledge. While Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, Jesus was sent for the entire world. Okay, that's worth writing down. While Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, in the finiteness, in the, in the limitations of his human assignment, he was sent for the entire world. This is huge. And, and it leads us then to discover this next piece, which is this. We are rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Look at verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Uh, The word knelt in the original language is proskune, which often is translated worship. So this Canaanite woman came and fell, proskune, before Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, to plead with him. Lord, help me. In some measure, she has moved to the place where she's worshiping. She's worshiping Jesus. Now, this this marks the change that's coming in this woman and in her, her seeking of help. When she first came to Jesus, she said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Okay, so... Lord uh, means master. It's a kind of a generic title. Anyone could use it, almost of anyone, you know, uh, when I'm trying to give deference to someone in authority. Son of David, that's borrowed language. Like, that's Israel language. That's Jewish language. That's inappropriate on the lips of a Canaanite woman. This is borrowed language. This this is her having heard something about him and saying, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to use this language in order to approach Jesus. She's come to him rather than to her pagan shrine where her people worshipped. But son of David is not not her language, the the words that somehow she's borrowed, overheard, and is now using. And, and, And something happened in the silence. It says that Jesus did not answer a word. Something's happening. Something's happening in the silence. Something happened in the rejection of Jesus' disciples. Send her away. Shut her up, would you please, Lord? We get to verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Do you see the migration that's taking place here? There's a change coming in this woman. She went from borrowed words, son of David, perhaps like a a magic formula that would be used in the the, the temple of Eshman, this this God that was worshipped up in that part of the world. But religious words were not enough, so Jesus remains silent. He ignored her. But this mom was desperate. And so she brushes off the rejection She doesn't even register the the, the dog reference as an insult. Instead, she puts herself in the family home and says, yes, Lord, but even the family pet is welcome to the leftovers. That's what's going on here. Even the family pet is welcome to the leftovers. 
In, in this, she begins to conquer the heart of Jesus. She begins to overcome because of her persistence, and she argues with God through the persistence, through the petitions. This woman is praying. This woman is worshiping. This woman has moved from, from trying to manipulate God with the right turn of phrase to being in the presence of Jesus and, and beginning to get real with him. Yes, Lord, your assessment of my life. I can't argue with that, dog. Um, yes, not part of the nation of Israel. Hello? Anyone in this room born with Jewish heritage? Not many of us. Dog. Um, this is, this, is where, this is where we are apart from God, but in the family home. In the family home and invited to, invited to the overflow because Jesus is more than enough. She needed some time to get there, though. And so, so Jesus was silent. She needed some silence. She needed to hear and to endure some rejection. And then she needed to come in worship and work a, a persistence in prayer. But because of the process, this woman goes from no faith to great faith. Did you hear Jesus call her that? Great faith. What a migration. What a grace. What an amazing privilege of God to be patient with her. She makes this journey. And it came through struggle, friends. It was not something that was automatic. Her spiritual growth was the product of her wrestling with God, wrestling with the reality of who she is and who her people are and where she's come from, and yet what God has for her. And she won. God gave her, Jesus gave her what she was desperately longing for. Verse 28, then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. I mean, in this we see that there's no easy path to great faith, friends. This woman went to great lengths to pursue Jesus. And that pursuit changed them. It changed her. Now, in case you're saying, ah, you sure? Look what comes next in this text. Verse 29. I didn't read it earlier. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. So if we had a map up, he came down, back from Tyre's side, and back to the Sea of Galilee, walked around the Sea of Galilee, down to the Decapolis, down on the south corner. And then, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, and the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. So here we are in a Gentile region once again, and they praised the God of Israel. Worship has broken out once again, but don't miss the point. How does someone get the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others up the mountain to the feet of Jesus? I tell you, it happens with effort. Like, they, they walked back down once they'd been healed. But someone else carried them up to the foot of Jesus. There was another mom who was desperate to bring her child to Jesus, who said, it's going to be a hard journey, but we're going to leave the city. We're going to go out into the wilderness in the middle of these ten cities. We're going to climb this mountain. There are really hills there, and they're not Rockies, but we're going to climb the mountain to the foot of Jesus, because he alone can do something. This is the dad. 
This is the dad who has been exhausted from all the work, the extra hours, trying to pay for the physicians, going places, trying to, trying to get some help for their daughter, trying to get some help for his son. And then he hears about Jesus. He says, come on, son. I'm taking you to Jesus. It's a friend. It's a friend who says, not a flippant, this didn't work, so we'll give that a try. This is a desperate seeking after Jesus at all costs. And sometimes encountering Jesus is going to require effort. It's going to require effort on our part. They labored to bring the lame up the hill. They labored to bring to guide the blind child or friend or spouse along the pathways and then up the trail that would lead them to Jesus. But it was at the foot of Jesus where they experienced his grace. And friends, I know some of you here have felt like you have been through hell and back, maybe not back yet, right? Because of what's going on in your life. There's, there's illness around you or maybe in you, or it's job loss. Maybe it's wayward children or it's wayward spouses or, or it's difficult parents that you are managing. And, and I wonder, what would you ask God if, if maybe he's been waiting for you to get desperate enough to carry them up the hill to Jesus? To, to lay them at the feet of Jesus. Waiting for you to engage in a season of, of prayer and fasting, perhaps. That would just bring real focus to your intercession. Where you say, Jesus, the other temples that, that would invite worship are nothing. Nothing. They are vain idols. You alone have the words of life. You alone are my hope. You, are alone, you alone are the one that I am I'm going to look to. And, and, and in the spirit of the persistence and the audacity of this mom who comes persistently on behalf of, his, of her daughter and has changed in the journey, I'm going to come too. She came with the courage to, to go to a place that, where she was not welcome and yet received welcome in order to kneel at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? It was there that she got real. It was there that she got real with Jesus about what's really going on and what she really needs from him. Uh, this Canaanite woman was not the only person who was changed here. Jesus' disciples were changed too. Now, it's going to take some time. Uh, it, it would take some time before we would really see it show up, but, but, we, but we do see it show up. Um, who, who's the person or who's the people group least likely to come to Jesus in your life? Who, who is it? For them, it was a Canaanite woman. For them, it was a, a group of Gentiles gathered down in the Decapolis who are least likely to come to Jesus. Who, who is that for you? And, and, and how would you invite God to begin to shape and change your response when, when they have a dream or a vision and God shows up and says, come, follow me? He's been doing that to thousands in, in the Islamic world. You know, who, who, what's your response going to be? When Jesus meets someone who's been worshiping at some pagan shrine in our society, has, a, has false idols in their lives, has not fully understood who they are, and then in their desperation finally comes to Jesus. What kind of welcome will they receive from you? What kind of welcome will they receive from us? 
Like, is it just a, a send them away? They're, they're hounding us? It would take much longer for, for Jesus' disciples to get to the place where they would be men of great faith, but they get there. As we track through, as we track through the, 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 the remainder of the Gospels, and they're changed, they're encountered, their, their world views are assaulted, all their expectations are blown out of the water. And then through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, his ascension, and then we get into the book of Acts, and we begin to see them becoming great men of faith. Not always. Sometimes they, back, sometimes they screw it up. But it's a journey. It's a journey. And, and where are you in the journey? Where are you in this story? You, my friend, are being called to be a person of great faith, a man of great faith, a dad of great faith, a woman of great faith. Maybe you're a mom, a mom of great faith who looks to God persistently and relentlessly. Will you journey with me? I'm being called to be a man of great faith. Occasionally I've gotten it. More often than not, weeds show up distracted. Can we journey together in this? Can we pursue God together in this? The, the journey is more like a trip to the gym, I will warn you, than sitting on your sofa watching a sitcom. Like, like Sunday morning church is work. Like, I hope you go home a little bit tired and needing a nap. I do. Yeah. <laughs> you, do you know what? Because we've come to work. We've come to pray and seek God. We've come to worship and, and, and call for God to be at work in our world and make a difference. We come to study. So sometimes it's, it's like, I need to focus again because this is hard to get a hold of. Well, make notes. Read the passage in advance. Make notes as we go. Help your brain track. Come back and review it afterwards. You, you, see, you see, God wants to grow us through this heavy lifting. This is not about being entertained. This is about becoming people of great faith who make a difference in our world because we are so desperately reliant upon Jesus that we're carrying our friends, carrying our family to the foot of Jesus, longing that he would show up and do what he alone can do in their lives. We're going to start a new series next week. We're calling it uh, Holidays and Road Trips. Uh, we're going to kind of journey with Jesus toward Jerusalem. Maybe, maybe it's a unique opportunity. Maybe this summer will be a unique opportunity for, for you to get persistent before God in, in prayer, in worship, in, 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 in training and equipping yourself. Pastor Tim's going to preach next week. I'm, I'm leading worship. We, we get to swap hats. It's going to be fun. Um, but but, but be, be lean in with us because we are on this journey too. I want to invite the worship team to come. Appropriate that we'd respond in worship this morning. Appropriate that we would say, look, let's do this work together. And let's grow. Let's become those who are great faith. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, some of this is hard to understand. Give us grace to be able to comprehend. Help us do the hard work that is necessary for us to grow. And, and would, you, would you move us along? I pray for the person here who would say, I'm a no, for, no faith. Would you move them to the place where they're inquiring and checking and, and, and seeking you? And would you visit them with understanding, visit them with encounter? Lord Jesus, I pray for those who, who would say, yep, 
uh, Little Faith uh, out on the lake. Waves are there. Little Faith. But would you grow us, Lord Jesus? Don't leave us there. We long to be great faith. And Lord Jesus, when we have those moments of breakthrough, when we trust you, when we look to you persistently, help us to be equipped and ready for the next, the next season, the next occurrence, the next whatever it will be. Seeing each one of these as you growing us as we look to you, Lord Jesus, for what you alone can bring. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.